0: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
3: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year.
1: Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything.
4: ATT.
1: Hello, and welcome to Saver Production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese.
2: And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about cashews.
1: Yes. Oh, I love cashews. I was notorious for eating all of the cashews out of nut and trail mixes in my house. Like, I would hear people oh, like, oh, no. ah! <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> And so on uh, Christmas, eventually my parents stopped getting me candy because it became clear that wasn't really my thing. And they uh-huh. stopped getting oranges because, like, they would get me one, but I would never eat it. it kind of just became the family's orange. But they would get, uh, just packs of uh, cashews <laughs> and almond nuts. Uh, oh
2: wow! Yeah. yeah,
1: I yeah
2: I count people who pick specific things out of mixes as like like that's that's like a that's like a cardinal sin in my
1: book. <laughs> you didn't know I was this devious. I didn't. We can't. We have to reevaluate. Yeah, our friendship and all of our past interactions. I'm like, oh no, okay. I wouldn't well, do that to like. <laughs> your mix, only my family's mix, right. and they screwed me out of a lot of things. So I think that was fair.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's I knowing what I know about what what little I know about your family's interactions. I think that anything that you did to punk them was probably completely fair. So,
1: thank you. Uh, <laughs> yes. Also, you know there aren't that many cashews in those mix. No,
2: there's not. Well, they're expensive.
1: Yes. So it's not like I was getting a whole mound. I was sure. only finding like three or four. Yeah. That's well, not that many. <laughs>
2: uh I do also love a cashew. They're 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 delicious. What can I say? They are. Yeah. And I feel knowing what I know about their production, I now feel a little bit bad about that. So
1: that's, Me too. That's cool. Yeah. A little spoiler for what's to come. Yep. You know, I never buy them for myself. I'll say that because um, they are expensive, and also, as you know, Lauren, I'm not a big snacker. I don't like having too many snacks around.
2: Sure, yeah, <laughs> they're they're one of the like like nuts are the kind of snack that I do stock because I know that I can eat this like relatively tiny handful of thing, and uh, and it will keep me going for long enough to like not murder anybody and eat their eyeballs. Yeah. So. That's good. Um very powerful. I try, yes. <laughs> I try every day to eat no eyeballs and
1: I that's what I I love about you. Yeah. <laughs> Snack nuts help mm-hmm. make it happen. Um. <laughs> well, okay, here is a very 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 important question. Is it a nut? Because uh I've been burned before. <laughs> I've been burned. Well, um
2: You know, I mean, do you want to go ahead and do the question?
1: (laughs) Do I? Do, oh. Uh, mm, All right, let's get it over with. Let's get it out of the way. Cashews. What are they?
2: Well, cashews are
1: not nuts. Sorry. What? Oh! Oh, my God. My whole life... (laughs) Has been alive. Uh, How many nuts in those nut mixes are nuts? That's what I need oh, to know. I would have to. Are
2: any of them nuts? Okay. Okay. Well, I. Th- this is a. This is a different question for another day. I will have to okay. return to you on that one. But in the meanwhile, uh, cashews—they're not technically nuts. Botanically speaking, they are the seeds of the cashew fruit. Um, uh, the botanical name there is Anacardium occidentale, and okay, so. This, this fruit that the cashew is a seed of grows on these tropical evergreen trees. Uh, they generally only grow about, like, 20 feet, 6 meters tall. And um, they, their branches can droop to the ground and take root. Um, and they grow these uh, these small, pretty uh, pink or white or red flowers in, in branching clusters that, when pollinated, will develop the cashew fruit. And this is a fascinating thing. Um, the, the, the true botanical fruit of the tree— that, that develops from each pollinated flower it is this inedible, greenish, brownish, grayish, oily, little, like, kidney-shaped thing, and, and it's, a, it's a droop like a peach, okay? So, so that terrible fruit contains this hard shell, and in the shell grows the seed, and that seed is the cashew nut. But to sort of make up for the thing where that actual fruit is not good for eating, um, the tree also produces what's called an accessory fruit, um, so, so part of the stem that connects the flowers to the trees will co-develop, along with that bad fruit, into this juicy, sweet, uh, yellow to red accessory fruit. Um, with the actual fruit growing out of the bottom end, yeah? So like accessory fruit attached to the branch and then the bad fruit right. attached to the bottom of that. Um, and the accessory fruit is sort of apple or pear-shaped, around the same size as an apple or pear, solid straight through. Um, In English, they're often referred to as the cashew apple. Of course, they go by different names in different languages uh, and the places where they're grown. And these these are edible and uh, tasty from what I understand. Um, I've never had one, but I've read that they're sweet and acidic with a sort of mild um, citrus mango fresh kind of flavor profile. Um, In some places, cashew trees are grown specifically for production of this accessory fruit, um, which can be eaten raw or cooked or made into preserves or jam or candies. It can be juiced. The juice can then be fermented into wines or liquors. Very useful stuff. But the um, the, the botanical family that cashews are in, um, Anacardiaceae, um, that's the same family as pistachios, pink peppercorns, mangoes, and uh, poison ivy, oak, and sumac. <laughs> and... Here's where things get unpleasant. Um, yes, welcome back to Lauren's Killjoy Corner.
1: Oh, boy.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, so like those poison vines that I just mentioned, the um, the flesh surrounding a cashew nut, that true fruit, contains just a whole lot of what's called anacardic acid, which is seriously irritating to humans. Um, so like to get at that edible nut... You have to remove this flesh and shell, both of which are just full of super inedible chemical irritant. Um, It can cause severe blistering on your skin, um, like lung damage if it gets into the air and you breathe it in. Like if you pick a cashew apple that has the true fruit attached, it's recommended that you use gloves to prevent all contact with the true fruit. And home growers uh, of cashews are advised to not attempt to retrieve the cashew nut from the fruit. Just throw it away, eat the apple part, forget that the nut ever happened. Um, wow. So to, to get at a nut, a, a cashew fruit is cooked to remove that, that poisonous flesh and, um, and also further to, to make the shell brittle enough to, to easily crack. And you can do this in a pan or a pot or in a a roasting drum or like a hot oil bath. And a drum or hot oil bath is convenient because it pulls the irritants away and can like output them as either a liquid or a gas. The the more traditional pan or pot roasting methods require you to to somehow manually remove that irritant-filled flesh. Um, Once you do that, though, you're you're left with a, a nut and shell that's pretty easily cracked, and you pull out the cashew kernel uh peel off this little protective skin that's around it, and then you have a cashew nut, a little white kidney shaped thing, I don't know, about the size of a joint of a finger, or so um sweet, tasty, delicious. But, you know, the the killjoy part in all of that is, is that, you know, this is a labor-intensive and hazardous process, and it is often done by hand with varying levels of safety precautions by severely underpaid people in developing parts of the world. All that said, conditions are kind of beginning to improve. Um, I'm I'm not going to say that you should feel awful about eating cashews, but you might go ahead and feel a little bit bad. (laughs) But, uh, all, all that being said, I mean, cashew plants are pretty cool. Like, because of the way that a cashew tree's roots spread and, and those branches can drop and take root, they're really useful for promoting soil conservation and forestation. The, the leaves and the bark contain tannins that are good for tanning and for dyeing. The apples can also be used for dye. The, the bark contains a gum that's sometimes used as insect repellent. The wood itself is useful for um, for building stuff. Um, aside from the part where they're kind of poisonous, <laughs> They're great.
1: As, just aside from that. yeah. all good..
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. Well, all right. aside from that. <laughs> How about uh, the nutrition? Uh, cashews are pretty good for you. Um, they do
2: contain more saturated fats than most other tree nuts um, along with the unsaturated fats that things like like almonds are lauded for. Um, so so the traditional recommendation has been more to go for something with more unsaturated fats like like almonds than for something like cashews. Uh, more on that in a second. The cashews are also a great source of vitamins and minerals. Um, they've got a good punch of protein, a little bit of carbs and dietary fiber, you know, like they will fill you up and they will help keep you going. They are calorically dense food. So if that's something that you're watching out for, watch out for that. You know, we'll always watch your portion sizes. Uh, I will say cashew milk is lower in calories and also lower in protein. Than dairy milk and most other dairy milk alternatives. So, um, so if you are looking, if if just, you know, compare your nutrition labels. Just see, figure out what you're trying to get out of whatever it is that you're buying. Read the label. Um, yeah. Preliminary research, though, going back to that saturated versus unsaturated fat issue, um, uh, research has shown that cashews can actually help lower cholesterol levels, despite that saturated fat that they contain, um, because of some of the Types of saturated fat that they contain. Um, so, especially if you are using them to replace other um, saturated fatty stuff in your diet, like say potato chips, um, yeah, they can help you lower your cholesterol levels overall. Um, that apple is high in vitamin C, does pack a lot of sugar, um, but you know, uh, it's a fruit. That's what it does, sort of. Um, and Traditionally, various parts of the cashew plant have been used to treat conditions from toothaches to diabetes, uh, basically everywhere that they have been grown. Um, and we've got more on some recent research um, in our history section. But uh, but that brings us to
1: some cashew numbers. Yes, cashing in on the cashew because huh. the cashew market was valued at $7.8 billion in 2014 with a predicted annual growth of 15%. Who? Um, yeah. Uh.
2: Wow. Yeah. Gl- global production as of 2016 was 4.89 million tons. Wow. <laughs> and uh, the cashew accounts for. Um. I think it's the third most popular tree nut in the world, accounting for 20% of the international tree nut trade. Wow.
1: According to 2017 data, Vietnam was the top producer with 863,060 tons, followed by India, Cote d'Ivoire, and the Philippines. 2020 data found India is responsible for 65% of global cashew exports. Yeah, uh, so cashew processing
2: is complex. Like, even though India does not grow the most, it does process the most. And it And it grows a lot, um, some 700,000 metric tons as of 2014, but it imports even more on top of that to process. And cashews are a major part of India's economy. Um, It's in the top four of their agricultural exports, right up there with basmati rice and spices and tea. And upwards of 1.2 million people as of, I think, 2014 were working in the cashew
1: industry there. And 90% of the world's cashews are consumed in the US. Ooh. Hmm. I know. Hmm. That is from a, yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, and oh, I learned about this uh, cashew chicken. So I love, I love a good cashew in, like noodle dishes. Yeah. Um, but I've never heard of this. So this is a mixture of chunks of fried chicken. Smothered in a sauce made up of oyster sauce, soy sauce, and stock, that is then topped with green onions and halved cashews, uh, and it is served at seventy over seventy restaurants in Springfield, Missouri, as of two thousand nine, and it's served in what it's called uh, Springfield style.
2: Okay, see, I didn't look this up. I, I've had cashew chicken before from like you know like Chinese American takeout places, um, but uh, but I've never had it with deep fried chicken. I've only ever had it with um, sautéed chicken.
1: So, yes. Um, okay, so I found there were a couple articles about this or there's the same article published in a couple different places, but the article which I found in the New York Times was written by John T Edge, who super producer Dylan and I met at a Southern Food Alliance conference and okay, so they were they were these two cocktails you could get mm-hmm. and one of them came with a temporary tattoo of his face. <laughs> Um, which he didn't have anything to do with the making of, by the way. It was a joke someone else was doing. Hmm. But um, I'm still waiting for the right opportunity to use it. I have it still. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I've got to put on this random temporary tattoo of some guy that most people won't recognize Uh and scare my family. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Mm. Yeah, good, good, maybe like
2: April Fool's opportunity or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. It's going to be great. Uh, Also, the guy behind cashew chicken in Springfield, David Leong, um, he, he, what did he call it? He called it like the Missouri version of like a meat and three. Well, like the (laughs) Chinese Missouri melding of a meat and three, (laughs) which I loved. But there's fried rice instead of mashed potatoes, he said. Um, So he worked at a Pensacola restaurant called Pirate's Cove that I used to frequent. And there's a similarly named restaurant in Josephine, Alabama that I absolutely adore. Oh, so I appreciate that Well, there that you memory. go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So those are some numbers, but we do have some history for you.
2: Oh, gosh, we do. Um, But first, we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
1: This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, Um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you?
1: Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team
0: trip yeah. together. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
4: Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. And we're back. Thank you,
1: sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, cashews originated in Brazil, and also perhaps Central America, the West Indies, Peru, and Guyana. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't really find a date for when they originated, but I'm assuming they're old.
2: Yeah, um, I, I think I think the date that I saw what uh, was that the the plant itself developed some some number of millions of years ago, like, like, like 45 million years ago or something. And I, whew, the, the traditional answer is that they are from what is now Brazil. Um, but, uh, but there's been some argument uh, in, in some academic research about it, about, um, you know, plants that very much resemble cashews being depicted in artwork from uh, other areas. So it's, it's hard to say.
1: It is hard to say. Uh, Most of the history you find starts around the 16th century uh, when Portuguese traders transported the cashew to Mozambique and along the coast of India, but uh, more for that whole soil retention and erosion prevention thing as opposed to a food stuff thing. Uh, And, yeah, these trees, they grew rapidly and wildly. They formed forests. They hopped to nearby islands. They went up into East Africa and tropical regions in South America, Central America, and the West Indies. Eventually, it spread from India to China, to the Philippines, Malaysia, and South Asia in general. Um, And pretty early on, Indian confectioners started incorporating cashews into their desserts, often to replace the more expensive, at the time, almonds. Uh. Yes. In 1578 CE, uh, Jesuit missionary Acosta wrote about cashews, uh, quote, found in the gardens at the city of Santa Cruz in the kingdom of Cochin. Jesuit priests in Goa used the cashew fruit to distill a very strong and strongly flavored drink called feni. Uh At least I think that's how you pronounce it. That's, I looked it up. But if anyone has a better pronunciation, you can always send it our way. Mm-hmm. Um a 16th century Italian traveler wrote about Feni that it will, quote, affect a man's head merely by smelling it to say nothing of drinking it.
2: Hmm. <laughs> uh,
1: the cashew tree was introduced to Vietnam in the 19th century, originally as a shade tree. When World War II shut down uh, shipping to India, a cashew processing industry in Mozambique was born. Because they had been there, but they hadn't really been Processed uh, mm-hmm. for industrially, commercially. Uh, for a while, Mozambique was the top exporter. In 1972, at its peak, uh, Mozambique was producing 216,000 tons. Much of the labor was done by women. And to this day, there are studies into the impact of the cashew industry and women's economic mobility. However, with independence in 1975, these high levels of production in Mozambique could not be maintained. The value of cashew nuts shipped to the United States in 1968 was $52,580,000. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, commercial cashew cultivation began in India in the 1960s. That same decade, cashew trees from India were introduced to West Africa to combat desertification. Until 1972, the apple was the main focus in Mozambique, uh, and that changed when people in industry started investigating the potential economic viability of the 2 million tons of extra juice and syrup from cashew processing. Vietnam recognized cashew as a commercial crop in 1989. Uh, Yeah, throughout
2: the the 80s and into the 90s, the, the market for cashews became such that these small farmers across West Africa and India and out into Southeast Asia um, started replacing their food crops with this cash crop. And th- this, is a, this is a really complex and tricky issue because, you know, like, like it's really helping fight poverty in these places by, by giving them this, this good economic crop to participate in the growth of. Um, but, you in a perfect world, um, you know, despite fighting poverty, there's still high levels of malnutrition in these areas. So in a perfect world, there would be a, a balance in any given farming area between producing crops for sale and producing nutritious food for the people who live and work there. Um, or at the very least, like the money that they get from these cash crops would enable them to buy good food through like a stable infrastructure of markets. Um But we're not quite there yet. Um, The the majority of cashew farms are small and family operated, like a few acres. um, And they will sell or trade their crops um, to or or through larger organizations, which generally then sell uh, the fruit to separate processors, which generally then sell the nuts to separate factory packagers. So, like by the time you buy a cashew, a, a, a single cashew nut at, at retail, um, the the premium price that you're paying for it um is just trickling down through these layers. And as is so often the case with laborious products like that, like the people doing the hardest work are receiving the least amount of money for it. Um and that's a thing that that a number of international organizations are working on. But I would say that, you know, if, if you are a concerned consumer and i uh, i certainly hope that everyone listening to this is that if you if cashews are a thing that you purchase that you you look for labeling um uh you know to just investigate the products that you buy and uh and look for labeling with stuff like a like like fair trade on there um very frequently the the label organic can kind of stand in for products that were produced in a more ethical way but you sort of have to research um yeah. product to product in order to Suss that out, and it's uh, it's time consuming, and I and I know that it's it's hard to eke out time to 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 do anything like that, but um, but it can really
1: help make a difference in people's lives. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, in two thousand nine, Finney from Goa became the first alcoholic beverage from India to receive a global geographical indication registration, meaning the real deal can only come from Goa. Ah, love it. Yes, uh, Cashews had a viral moment in 2019 when the internet at large freaked out about how Cashews grew and all these like, it looks like an old man yelling at children on his lawn. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. I mean, just I missed go this entirely. You. I had no idea. I'm shocked. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, if you, if you as you're listening to this, I haven't seen this picture, and there's one in particular that went really viral. And you're listening to Lauren describe it, and you're like, "Wait, but, but go look it up. It does not look like you think it looks." <laughs> <I> promise you.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like someone like like pasted like a big green cashew onto the end of an apple pear, mm-hmm. and or, or or it looks like a like a weirdly misshapen bell pepper, maybe like with a with yeah. a bulbous stem, and that's the cashew. Fruit,
1: it's on the yeah, yeah, that's on the bottom, not top. Yeah, uh huh. I don't know. Nature, wild nature, y'all. Oh, nature, y'all. Recently, there has been a trend of plant-based milks and and other dairy products like cheeses. I know a couple of you've written in about Mm -hmm. uh, uh, milk-free the The terminology gets so confusing. Like we talked about, in our meat alternative, milk alternative, uh, uh th- products like cheese, and yes, there's cashew milk. And Sometimes it's blended with other things like almonds. Certainly, something we'll have to return to for another episode.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh nut milks and etc. are for sure a different product for a different day. Um, you can get into a little bit of that in our um our you can get into a little bit of that in our um, tofu episode, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But who? Yeah, okay. Uh, that was that was not. <laughs> you have to you have to stop the research. You have to put it down at some point.
1: Eventually, yeah. <laughs>
2: um, but uh, but speaking of actual research, not colloquial research, the way that I was just using the word, um, actual scientific research, there's been a lot of recently into how to use other parts of the cashew plant, um, and particularly that nasty stuff from um, from the fruit and the shells. Um, the, the, the liquid that you obtain is a byproduct during cashew processing. Um, it's called a cashew nut shell liquid or CNSL in the industry. And it's pretty cool because um, despite being this poisonous waste product, or in fact, because of it being this poisonous waste product, um, finding ways to make use of it is super helpful to the people who grow and process cashews and also to the environment. And it's, fascinating stuff. Like there are compounds in it that researchers have found to be good absorbers of um, of ultraviolet lights, um, UVA and UVB, which means that these compounds could be put to use in creating sunscreens for for humans and livestock, or could even be incorporated into um, like polymers and coatings that lend, you know, like non-living objects uh, resistance to sun damage. Also, that that main uh, caustic acid in the cashew fruit, um, anacardic acid, has some antimicrobial properties um, and is being investigated for everything from like acne control to prevention of tooth decay. And uh, there's some preliminary research going into how anacardic acid might be used to help treat some conditions that involve nerve damage, Um, like like specifically conditions where the the myelin, the, the protective sheath, that surrounds our nerves, um, where that myelin gets damaged. Things like multiple sclerosis, because it turns out that anacardic acid it inhibits this this one enzyme, and inhibiting that induces production of this protein that induces the formation of myelin. So, yeah, it's all it's all like in vitro and in vivo animal studies right now, but um, but maybe in the future that could that could be super awesome.
1: Yeah. Very cool, and that's that's about what we have to say about the cashew. I have to say this one was a very surprising one. I did not know that they looked that way. Nope. I that they were poisonous. I, uh.
2: <laughs> I I did not know any of this about them. I am so glad to so glad to learn. It's I when I started when I did like my preliminary Google, I was like, oh no, oh this has to be an episode <laughs> that we record on a Tuesday because I need a good lead up for this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah you need to sit with this one for sure yeah yeah um well we do have a little bit more for you listeners
2: we do we, we've got um both some listener mail and also a couple of just like ketchup points that annie and i not points about actual ketchup that i'm aware of but um oh. <laughs> <laughs> but a couple other discussion points um and we will get into those as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsor And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that
1: repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com.
3: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, Um, like the dish mofongo, uh, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you?
1: Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team
0: trip yeah. together. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
4: Right here, right now, find your beautiful new floor at Right Road Flooring.
1: And we're back. Thank you,
4: sponsor. Yes,
1: thank you. Yes. So for our quick catch-up, non-catch-up related catch-up points. <laughs> um, for the first one, a lot of you have written in about this. Uh, soon after our uh, boxed wine episode came out, Franzia debuted a uh, boxed wine backpack. <laughs> uh, and now I investigated as a good food podcast. Oh as yeah. What to do yeah. Uh, from what I can understand. It's sort of a crafting project. Oh. Like, it doesn't come in backpack form. It comes in box form with straps. Oh. And then instructions how to make the backpack, should you desire, which I'm assuming if you bought this, you do. You do, probably. Yes. So, innovation's happening, ongoing. (laughs) Uh, Also, uh, very excited for future listener mail about Australia's uh, drinking game called Goon of Fortune.
2: Goon uh, of fortune.
1: Yes, a lot of you have written in about it. And you've also alerted me to what I have never, foolishly never thought I could do, which is use the, the bag, the bladder. You blow it up and make a pillow or a foot rest. Oh. I oh. never, ever thought of that. Huh. Mm. Yes, yes. So thanks to everybody who alerted us to this very important update, <laughs> news and breaking news. Yeah, category of
2: innovation of, of how to do with, uh, with bag and box wine bags.
1: Yes, and uh, also in the innovation world of wine, uh, Taco Bell in Canada has recently debuted a wine called a uh, jalapeno Noir. <laughs> and it's also available for delivery. What is it? It's from Chalupa Estates? Uh, it's che- Cheesy Chalupa
2: <laughs> Estates, I believe, yes. is the estate from which this wine hypothetically comes from. Um, and yes. I am so mad at Canada for having <laughs> this product. Um, I cannot, I, I just don't understand
1: the good fortune of your country. <laughs> <to> <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, not only that, you can get it delivered. That's wild. Oh, my gosh.
2: Right? Yeah. And it's, I from what we can tell, no jalapenos were harmed in the making of this wine. Um, It's it's just, a, it's a Pinot Noir, so it's like a pun,
1: jalapeno, yeah. noir. And it's got, I believe the tasting notes, it was cherry and beet root? Like
2: strawberry, cherry, and beet, I think, yeah. Yeah.
1: So. And it, they do recommend you have it. You enjoy it with their chalupa because the chalupa has a six-month-aged cheddar.
2: Right. So that's so, so.
1: Clearly, clearly. But I'm sure they won't judge if you enjoy it with something else.
2: Yeah. Uh, if anyone has experienced the hypothetical joy yes. that is jalapeno noir from Taco Bell, um, please <laughs> write in and let us know. Um, yeah. If you want to smuggle some over country lines and get it to us, I'm not going to tell you not to.
1: Oh, yeah. And if you have, like, any Taco Bell connects... <laughs> Look, Super Producer Dylan is a big fan. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're you know, you know where to find us. You do. You do.
2: Like Already. hey, like Taco Bell if you are listening, like get in touch. Like get in yes. touch. Um Come on. <laughs> Uh and our third catch-up update, uh catch-up non-catch-up update um is just something that we kind of wanted to mention because uh Okay, so some of you savvy listeners out there may have heard some of the news around um, around J.K. Rowling and this strong position that she has come out with uh, about being kind of solidly anti-trans and at the very least very disparaging of the concept that a trans woman is really a woman. Um, and up to and including the part like this, this made huge waves back in June when the world was on, extra on fire, and she was just ranting at people on Twitter about how they're not women and to sit down. Um, and then, uh, and then the news came out yesterday. Was it only yesterday? The internet moves so quickly um, that her her upcoming novel is about a, a serial killer who dresses, uh, who's a cis dude who dresses up. As a woman, in order to do his serial killing. And uh and, and Annie and I have come out um, as being such huge Harry Potter nerds on this show. Like yeah. we did an episode about butterbeer, like we re-ran it and we're excited about it. Like, like mm-hmm. I mean, like we have whole arguments about like what house each of us are in. And yeah. <laughs> and uh and so I, I thought it was really important to just to just say that trans rights are human rights. And um, Trans women are women and trans men are men. And uh, and if I can, if I can go on like a mild, like this is so not food related, but like it's it's just a like a, just a really basic primer of, of a thing that I think that a lot of people get confused about in terms of this issue. This is like way more stuff mom never told you kind of material. But um, but so okay, like when I when I say that trans women are women and trans men are men, by that I mean that the term sex and the term gender. Are two separate terms, okay? And so, uh, sex are the uh, uh, biological and genetic uh, uh, traits that you have when you are born. And male and female are the two most common sexes. There's a bunch of other combinations that that um, that your chromosomes can wind up giving you. And there's so so you know so it's not binary. And then gender is the societal construct that we have. And the two most common genders, perhaps, are woman and man. But you're not born a woman. You're not born a man. You're born male or female or et cetera. And so, uh, so what you decide to identify as when you grow up can be woman or man or anything. And it doesn't have necessarily anything to do with the sex that you are assigned at birth. Um, so, you know, uh, and, and there's, there, there's of course a lot of other complicating factors. That's a very high level overview of, of what the issue is. But, um, you know, just, uh, if, if, if anyone else out there is kind of like low key and mourning about, Mm -hmm. um, about JK Rowling's bigotry, um, and, you know, because maybe like you, you have felt like an outsider at some point in your life and you found solace or hope, in uh, the Harry Potter stories or Harry Potter fandom, and you feel like that's kind of ruined now. Um, I'm right there with you, um, but you know, especially gosh, especially if you are trans, um, I just want just want to say like you are, you, <laughs> maybe not by J.K. Rowling, but like you are, you are seen and you are valued and loved and so brilliant and just never, never forget that,
1: please. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself, Lauren. No,
2: meow. Lauren's rant corner. Thank you for letting me do that, Annie.
1: <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, and we do have some Lister mail. We do. Oh, oh, oh. Do we? do we have a, do we have a... Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, I've already thought of it. Okay. Oh, okay. Right. okay. This okay. is a tricky one, though. Oh, All right. oh no. Ready? All right, I'm ready. And we have some... Lister Well, <laughs> Cashew. <laughs> Oh no. Oh no, it's a pun. Oh no. I've reached new levels, Lauren. I can't be stopped. Oh. Jalapeno noir unlocked something in me. <laughs> oh, heck. Well, um. Yes, you have much to fear in the future. I,
2: I, I, I quake.
1: <laughs> I quake in my podcasting boots, which are yes. at this point my bare feet. So. <laughs> Uh, Megan Root, while I have been aware of molecular gastronomy for a while, I didn't realize that it was a field introduced by a physicist. I'm a physicist, and now I'm a little sad that no one told me I could study food for my PhD. <laughs> that would have been awesome. I study black holes instead, so it's still pretty fun, but it's not figuring out how to improve cheap whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) On the bright side, physics departments do a lot of casual molecular gastronomy since we love liquid nitrogen, LN2, and have plenty on hand. I've frozen grapes and fun-sized candy bars in classes and made lots and lots of liquid nitrogen ice cream. In grad school, I worked at a summer camp where we could make individual servings of it by portioning out the ice cream mix into small cups and having the attendees stir as we poured the LN2 into the cup. While this lets everyone experience the billowing cloud from the LN2 hitting the ice cream base in the bottom, it doesn't usually lead to a good texture ice cream. If you don't stir fast enough or pour on too much LN2, you get a layer of nearly impenetrable (laughs) ice cream with liquid (laughs) below." If you don't add enough L into, it doesn't freeze. Making a big batch leads to much better results. Physicists, or at least my friends, are also big fans of sous videing probably because we appreciate the accuracy you can get from an immersion circulator and maybe all the tables that Kinji Alt-Lopez includes in his recipe descriptions. Hmm. My husband and I use ours at least once a week, which has the added benefit of weekly seasoning of our cast-iron skillet, which is in fantastic shape now. It's also great for making yogurt bacteria food, <laughs> which I do less often than I mean to, but it makes me very proud of myself when I do it. Fermenting is also very popular among physicists, from yogurt to sourdough to beer, so much homebrewing and beyond. In fact, I've been joking with some students in my department that we need a physics Fermenters spelled P H oh, instead of an F. Love it. Uh, yes, Club, Because so many of us have sourdough starters right now. Yes, you should have a fermenters club. Wow. Absolutely. Oh, all of that
2: is so glorious. I, but you study black holes. That's I know.
1: Great. I know. <laughs> I love this. I would have loved to have been a part of all this physics. the The intersection of physics and food is right up. Both of our alleys. yeah, so this is amazing. <laughs>
2: this really is oh that that makes me that makes me really really happy. Um, oh gosh, food brings everyone together. <laughs> huh. Chris wrote when Lauren was talking about the pronunciation of anise, it reminded me of a hilarious story from when I was little. My mom made anise cookies and my grandma loved them. She pronounced them anus cookies. Some Christmas time, my mom got a cookie tin and made a ton of anise cookies in the shape of little butts and labeled them anise cookies and gave them to my grandma as a gift. My grandma was horrified when she opened them and put two and two together. It was very funny to everyone else.
1: <laughs> okay, your mom sounds excellent. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> the The best. Uh, just lean in (laughs) also little butt cookies would be so cute (laughs) i know i kind of want to see a picture
2: right oh Mm. gosh um the the, these are two i every every single piece of listener mail that we receive is amazing and these are just just amazing Thank you. Yes,
1: yes, yes. Uh, We have so much listener mail to share with you all in the future. Mm -hmm. Thanks to both of them for writing. If you would like to send us some mail, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com.
2: We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots of more good things are coming your way. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance
1: that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com.
3: Happy Pride from Tomboy X! Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer-founded, queer-run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women—